You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Episode 17, Deprogramming. something beyond what was just being shown. We believe that we were living the life of Jesus Christ. These alternative religions played right into the counterculture. Change yourself and you change the world. You think that these groups have techniques of mind control that you feel are dangerous. Yes, they use the same technique. It's no different from Guyana or Jim Jones. It's no different from Hitler. What you're looking at are a mindless robot. Deprogramming, an attempt to force those religious cultists to renounce their beliefs. It involves parents, the police, and a man named Ted Patrick. We were snatching people off the street just like that. Just snatching them off the street and getting them deprogrammed. They locked the door behind me, and I realized that I was trapped. When Ted started questioning me and telling me that I needed to be deprogrammed, I said, from what? Um, to me, I was leading my life of choice. I mean, Mr. Patrick, his own activities are quite reprehensible. He spends half his time in jail. Some deprogramming violated uh, human rights. Other times, people got out of groups that That was the trailer to a documentary called Deprogrammed, which is a personal account of director Mia Donovan's real-life experience with the godfather of deprogramming, Ted Patrick. As you'll hear in the podcast, Mia's stepbrother was like a lot of teens from that era. He loved heavy metal music and the iconography that goes with it, and it ended up getting him in trouble to a point where his family felt that they had no other choice but to call in a cult programmer, And the cult programmer that they called in was Ted Patrick. As you'll hear in the episode, the sum total of Ted Patrick's credentials were that he once deprogrammed his own son. Here to tell us more is Mia Donovan, director of Deprogrammed. Welcome, Mia. If we're going to talk about the origin of deprogramming, we have to talk about the origin of Ted Patrick. And Ted Patrick came into his own in the late 60s, early 70s. So describe for me what America was like during that time when it came to cults. It's it's an interesting phenomenon to talk about that, that the 
the rise of the youth cults in America during the late 60s, early 70s. Um, one professor, a really great professor of new religions named Dr. Stephen Kent, who is at the University of Alberta, described how a lot of the people that joined cults came from the, the political activism of the 60s and realized, you know, like the anti-war movement or different, different movements that were happening and that they, when the political activism failed, they turned inward in this idea of like, to change the world, you have to change yourself. So he really connects these, the, the political movement to the, the cult movement of the 70s and early 80s, which I find really interesting. And there was just so much happening at that time that it makes sense that, um, it, it, to me, it's not so far-fetched that in 1973, let's say, lots of kids were dropping out of school and joining groups and living communally. Like, there was this desire to live differently. It's important to mention that this wasn't just some kids going out and finding Jesus. This was an entire counterculture with, you know, a real look and uh, a feel and a language that offended the sensibilities of the day. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, like there is because of Charles Manson, which was all over the media, I think that this, when kids were saying, Oh, I found Jesus and I'm going to live on this commune. Um, or I'm dropping out of society, I'm going to live with these people, that that image would would come to mind. It's hard, It maybe things would have been different had Charles Manson not, had that case not happened, but that, that really tainted things. And I think just the fact that people were dropping out of society, like um, in a way that we hadn't seen before, like, and and I think it's key to note that these were mostly middle and upper class kids that were rejecting the materialism in a way. People probably don't realize this, but during the Manson trial, the Manson girls used to show up to the court and do all of these songs and dances. And it was a real show that they put on for the media. And this rightfully scared a lot of parents because they couldn't believe this kind of behavior. Because it was really seeped into the psyche at that at that time, so you can imagine that it sort of represented this divide amongst grown-ups or adults, and then the the younger generation, which was which had already been starting like from the '60s with Vietnam and the anti-war movement, and so there was so much going on at that time that it it's not surprising that people were growing up and wanting to find their own answers and their own way to live that was separate from, there was a rejection of the values that their parents had with um, one, the, the man that I interviewed in Deprogrammed who's still in the cult, who's still in the Christ family. He comes from a very, very wealthy, wealthy family. And for him, you know, he, the rejection of materialism, like, was really something that appealed to him. Um, it's just really interesting. Like his family's still very wealthy. Uh, and he, for the last 45 years, he just lives basically in a van. Your movie called Deprogrammed 
is all about Ted Patrick. And so to understand him, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. So what can you tell us about the life of Ted Patrick? Sure. So Ted Patrick is known as the, the, the man who coined the term and invented the practice of deprogramming back in the early 70s. And deprogramming was a method where he would usually kidnap somebody from a cultic group to deprogram or like unbrainwash the person from the, the doctrine of the cult. What can you tell us about one of the most famous Ted Patrick stories, which is that he deprogrammed his own son? Yeah, so his son had come home. His son, how the story went, his son was late coming home for dinner. And then eventually he, he got home around midnight. And Ted described how his eyes were glazed over and he was reciting Bible verses. And his son had met the children of God, and they used scripture. Moberg used scripture to manipulate people, but he manipulated Bible scripture. So Ted spent the next few... It didn't happen immediately. It, it, there was a few weeks that followed where his son's personality had changed. Like he no longer wanted to go out and play sports, which is what he did before. And he would stay in his room and study the Bible. and. So at one point, after a few weeks, Ted stayed up all night with him discussing the Bible because Ted knows the Bible inside out. His grandfather was a preacher. He, he's very, he grew up studying the Bible. So he had a debate with his son. And then his son at one point, after a whole night of discussing the Bible, his son snapped, sort of snapped out of it and came back, like his son returned to his previous personality. So at that time, Ted Patrick was working for the city, um, race relations in the city of, of San Diego, and he was getting calls from parents um, who had similar experiences. They didn't know where to turn. They And they were saying, my child wrote me a letter saying that they are moved in with the children of God and that we're Satan and they found Jesus or stories like this. So he started helping different parents in San Diego whose children had joined the children of God because they were very active then in Southern California. And then it just spread like from there on. Let's talk about Ted's credentials. Did he even have any kind of certificate or counseling background or anything? Ted Patrick's a very controversial person because back in 1971 or 1970, the idea of cults was very, very new in terms of like a youth phenomenon in the U.S. So he was, you know, really entering new territory. Along with the deprogramming practice that he advocated and started, he was also one of the first people to advocate on the dangers of cults. This is before Jonestown, after Charles Manson. So it was a time when parents were starting to worry about their kids who were like dropping out of school and living in these communes. And he was the first person to really be like, these communes are potentially very dangerous. And then in 1978, when Jonestown happened, it's, it really upped his credentials. And he went from like several dozen deprogrammings a year to doing several hundred for the last few years of his career. How did you become aware of Ted Patrick's story? What drew you to him? In the early 90s, I grew up in 
a small town in eastern Canada, Moncton, New Brunswick. And my stepbrother was a heavy metal kid who was, I guess you, you could describe as like a delinquent teen who was doing a lot of drugs and getting involved, getting in trouble a lot. And he listened to like Venom and Slayer and had like a self tattoo of an upside down cross. And my stepfather basically freaked out and was convinced that my stepbrother was in a satanic cult. So this, and this was during the era of the satanic panic. So it was like very present in the media. Like that was the time when the West Memphis three were, uh, when that trial was going on. And um, there was also a lot of cases of ritualistic child abuse that were in the media at that time. Um, so my stepfather hired Ted Patrick to basically kidnap Matthew, which is my stepbrother. And he held him for three days in a motel room. And until Matthew basically said, yes, I am possessed by Satan. I need help. Please help me. And then Ted Patrick came back to our home. And as part of the follow-up uh, rehabilitation process, like post-reprogramming, Ted went through our entire house, including my bedroom, to take away any triggers that might any like thing that could trigger Matthew go returning to Satanism, which included a Sonic Youth album that I had and um, an In Excess album because there was a song called The Devil Inside, some Stephen King books, stuff like that. So that was my first impression of Ted Patrick. I was like 14 and I was I was very you know, critical and I saw him as somebody who was taking advantage of my stepfather for what I believe was $10,000 at that time for this deprogramming, and I just thought the whole thing was a fraud. When you're researching a film like this, you have to go through numerous, numerous interviews with people, and there are tons of interviews in the movie. What makes somebody seek out a deprogrammer? Typically, the people that hired deprogrammers, and that would continue to hire people today, although deprogramming is illegal, and now we have exit counselors. And the difference is with deprogramming, it was involuntary. And now with exit counselors, there has to be kind of a negotiation. So it looks a bit more like an intervention where you have family gathered and the family will try and talk to the person they suspect is under mind control and convince them to talk to the exit counselor. But back then, it was typically parents who felt they couldn't communicate with their child and believe that their child was under a form of brainwashing by an individual or cult, and they were worried about their child's well-being. And you can imagine post-Jonestown, moral panic surrounding these type of groups that would drive a parent to take an extreme action to get their child out of a group. Um, there was, you know, like there was people, there was a, a, a deprogrammer, who's now an exit counselor named Rick Ross, who told me about a family who called him just before the Waco siege to get their child out of their adult child out of the branch Davidians. And he said he couldn't do it then because it was very illegal at that time. And that person is now dead. So I mean, these are the sort of the, the, the situations. For more on this episode, including the rest of the interview, bonus episodes, 
and bonus material, including production notes, head over to patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. You can find Unbelief on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can visit the website at onbelief.com.